Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life, or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. You guys, today's episode is one with a lot of depth. So today's guest is Chriselle Lim, and if you are not familiar with her, she is really an OG creator. She was someone who was like an original blogger who got into the space really before anyone else. And I remember, you know, seeing her content back when I was in college. So she's really been around for a long time. And what I find interesting about her is her ability to evolve so quickly anytime there's any changes that happen. So as an example, I remember back in 2020, like I'm talking early days of 2020 before everyone was even on TikTok, I noticed Chriselle was on there with her Rich Mom series and she like adopted this whole persona and showed a side of her as a creator that she just hadn't shown before and made herself appealing to a whole different audience. And I just have a lot of respect for creators who are able to evolve like that. She also is the founder of Fleur, which is a fragrance brand. And what I find really interesting about founders in fragrance or wellness or basically anything that a consumer can't just see right away is that you need a whole different tactic around storytelling. And we go over all of this today. One more thing I think is so interesting about Chriselle and like what I admire so much about her is the fact that she went through a divorce and has been very vocal about that journey in obviously a way where she's respectful to her ex-husband. But at the same time, there's a lot of takeaways. There's a lot of growth. And she has been really unafraid to share that in hopes that it helps other women going through the same thing. So anyway, it's a really robust conversation. I'm excited to bring it to you. Before we get into it, however, we have this week's review, which comes to us from Farida Kakande. I hope that I'm pronouncing her last name right. So Farida says, new listener, stumbled upon this podcast and I'm already loving it. Listen to the app with Mia Rigdon and it was so refreshing to hear someone discuss nutrition in a way that's easily digestible and informative. Looking forward to hearing more episodes. Thank you so much for leaving this review. It honestly means so much to me and I love hearing tangible feedback for any episode. So I do not take these things for granted. Let me tell you, if you do have a couple of minutes and want to support the show, please, please take the time to rate and review it. All you have to do is open up the Apple podcast app, scroll down to where it says rate and review the show in the rating section. If you feel like I've earned it, please leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, honestly, any feedback is helpful. Feedback on past 
episodes, past guests, guests you want to see, topics you want to hear more of. The more suggestions you give me, the more helpful it is. Oftentimes, I source my guests based on the direct feedback that you're giving me. So I really listen to you guys and I really value everything you have to say. All right. With that, let's welcome Chriselle to the Dream Bigger podcast. So we're just going to dive in. Okay. And I want to know how you got started as a creator because you, I mean, we were just talking about this. You're an OG. Like, (laughs) I think one of the first, if I remember correctly. So tell us how you even got into it because back when you started, it wasn't this like hot thing to do. It wasn't even a career option. So Mm -hmm. tell me your story. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say I was maybe the first like five. There, it was like myself, Rumi, Brian Boy, Ami Songs, and Sincerely Jules when blogs, quote unquote blogs, were actually a really big thing back then. And I was in college. I was just starting off to figure out what did I want to do in life. I was going to fashion school at FITM. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do in fashion, but I knew that I wanted to do something there. And so I actually started on YouTube first and I met this girl named Michelle Fawn who is like OG, OG beauty guru. Oh, I know her, yeah. Yeah. And she was dating, she was dating my ex-husband's best friend at the time. Oh my God, what a small <laughs> world. Yeah, small world. And, you know, I was still in college back then and we just all had dinner. And I was like, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm a makeup artist. I'm like, oh, what counter? You know, because back then you just assume makeup artist, you're a like at world. the mat yeah. counter or something. <laughs> And she was like, oh, no, I'm a makeup artist on YouTube. I was like, what? Isn't YouTube for like watching cat and dog videos, right? Because <laughs> that's what people used to watch YouTube for. People didn't really watch YouTube back in the day. And she was like, no, I create content, da 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 And I, I was so fascinated by it. So she was nice enough to sit me down and kind of like walk through how it all works. And I realized that there's no one doing it in fashion. And I was in college at the time. And so... I wanted to create some content for my peers because my peers were always like, what should I pair this with what? And so I just did it for fun for my friends. And I think because there was such a huge gap in the market where there was really no content for mid-20s. I mean, which sounded like, it sounds so young, but I felt so old back then. (laughs) I'm like in my late 30s now. And so it just really took off almost immediately. And my first few videos went viral. And I... I just never stopped creating content. That was 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. you've like really just stayed the course. And I think what you've done incredibly well as well. And I think that not a lot of people have been successful at this, mm-hmm. which is that you've evolved. Yeah. Like you have evolved in terms of the platforms you're on. You've been an early adopter over and over again. So talk to me about how you've been able to do that. And I mean, content creation, like you've been at in like for mm-hmm. the long haul. Yeah. So tell me about like how you kind of have persisted and how you've continued to evolve. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of my personality as well. I I get bored really easily, which is a strength and a weakness. And I like to test a lot of different things out. And so when I first started, I was on YouTube and then I was like, okay, I can't do YouTube videos fast enough. So let's start a blog. Right. And then that organically happen and those two were growing together and obviously Instagram and then TikTok happened. But for me, it was always, I was always in a place of curiosity. I was always like, I wonder what this is about. And I would always just give it some time and just to learn the platform. And if I liked it and I thought it was cool, then I wouldn't put any pressure and I would just kind of create content. At the core of it, I'm a creator. I am a creative. And as long as I get to create in some sort of capacity, I feel like I'm fulfilling I guess my, like what I love to do. And so that's how I looked at it always on these different platforms. TikTok really took off for me during COVID. And it was just another creative outlet where I was able to be funny. It was like a side that I never got to show. And people thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, I think it was like a whole rebirth, like your rich mom. (laughs) Like I remember early days, like 2020 is when I got on TikTok. And I remember like your videos were just popping off. And I was like, this woman is so fucking funny. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even think that I was that funny, but I guess I had it in me. Yeah. It was almost like acting because I was kind of, I was a a character on Mm -hmm. TikTok. I wasn't really being 
me as Chriselle Lim. I am now, but during COVID, people were so entertained by this character called Rich Mom. Mm-hmm. And, and it was actually during Parasite, that movie, the Korean movie that won all the awards. And a lot of these TikTok kids, they thought I was the Rich Mom on Parasite. Oh <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I don't see any similarities except that we both had short hair at the time and we're both Korean. And so I just kind of went with it. And they're like, oh my God, are you the rich mom from Parasite? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then they just, you know, and at some point I think they caught on that it was just a joke. But then I just kept going with it and they kept going with it with me. And they would be like, Oh, you know, rich mom, can you send me some money? I'm broke today. And I'm like, sure, honey, how much? And obviously I wouldn't, but it was like this ongoing kind of inside joke that I had with the TikTok community. And it was like a back and forth. And people would be like, can you adopt me? Like, I don't like my own parents. I'm like, sure, come over. I mean, obviously they wouldn't. But (laughs) that's how I built my TikTok audience was I was playing this character as as TikTok's rich mom. And obviously that died after COVID, but it was fun while it lasted. I had the best time. And that's my point of creating content. I think so much of us, we get pressured into doing these different platforms, but we hate it, right? We're like, oh, another one. Then just don't do it, you know? I feel like you only really thrive in places where you actually enjoy it. And I truly believe that because I love TikTok and I love being rich mom so much that it showed on the platform. And that's why I really took off. So from there, how did it evolve into Chriselle Lim? Like, did you like, because the thing is that sometimes if you have like a certain Mm -hmm. persona online, like you feel like quite attached to it or feel like, oh, if I don't continue to show up as this, Mm -hmm. then where will my followers go or whatever? So how were you able to evolve? I think also TikTok has evolved a lot since COVID, Mm -hmm. really. I think there was a lot of interesting trends that were happening. There's a lot of characters, including myself, on TikTok, but I also think that it's changed a lot. I mean, remember when it was first known as a dance app, you barely mm-hmm. see any dancing anymore yeah, totally. on this app. Right now, it's just become kind of comedic and funny and lots of like get ready with me's and story all of time, that story yeah. time. So I think TikTok was also evolving because when Rich Mom was really thriving, it was during COVID and people really wanted to be entertained. They wanted to laugh. They wanted to escape from kind of being stuck at home, right? And that's why a lot of these characters that were funny were taking off. A lot of these dances were taking off because people needed to be distracted to learn something, not be so bored at home. Mm -hmm. But now that the world has opened up, you don't really see much of that on TikTok anymore. Mm -hmm. And I realized, and during that time, I was also going through my divorce. And so at one point, which was 2020, it was the hardest year for me personally. And because I couldn't, fully come to laughing like I I literally couldn't get myself to smile or laugh during that time I couldn't fake that on TikTok anymore right I couldn't fake being rich mom during that time when I was going through such horrible times I mean call me a bad actress because I'm not even an actress but I just couldn't get around to doing that and Mm -hmm. so that's when I just decided to stop and I kind of stopped TikTok during that year I slowed down a lot on it just to figure out my situation. And then once I figured it out, I try to come back as rich mom because that's what got me there. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't work. Like the platform already kind of moved on and it changed. And so that's when I decided to just bring myself as Chriselle Lim. And I was doing that a little bit here and there. So a lot of people knew that rich mom was fake. Mm -hmm. But I, I, it was post-divorce when I decided to just be my, myself on TikTok. Summer is here and the right shoes are absolutely crucial for my warm weather wardrobe. Feeling super comfortable and looking good is an absolute non-negotiable for me, which is why I am so excited to be partnering with Bionic Shoes. I have said this in the past, but while we were in Italy over the summer, I was walking so much and I had a chance to test out the Bionic sandals. So I wore the Anaya sandals They're this like beautiful tan brown color sandals, which go with everything. And they feel like they mold to your feet. I am not even joking, guys. These are incredibly, incredibly comfortable. Just it's like equally, if not more comfortable than my sneakers. So highly, highly recommend. 
Vionic's exclusive Viomotion technology is what sets them apart, and they began by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to engineer shoes that leave you feeling energized and confident all day. The great thing about Vionic is that they offer a 30-day risk-free trial. You can wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason. So, you know, they really have come up with shoes that they can stand behind so that customers can try them out. And if it's not for you, you can just send it right back. It's a really easy risk-free system. So... I don't think that would happen to any of you guys, though. Honestly, their shoes are really, really freaking good. So Vionic has an offer for you guys. Use the code DREAMBIGGER at checkout for free shipping at www.vionicshoes.com. Again, that's DREAMBIGGER at checkout for free shipping at www.vionicshoes.com. Enjoy. You guys know that we have really been through it when it comes to building array, okay? There have been so many things that we've had to learn on the go and so many mistakes that we've made and so many times where we literally did not know what to do. And something that I absolutely do not take for granted is having resources that I can turn to when I am stuck on something. So if the idea of running your own business feels overwhelming, intimidating, lonely, literally confusing, (laughs) um, I highly recommend you listen to the Millionaire University podcast today. So this podcast teaches you everything you need to know to help your business succeed. It's a great resource because they offer really tangible advice on very specific topics. So the hosts of The Millionaire University, Justin and Tara Williams, believe that anyone can start and grow a successful business. After putting in the hard work to build their own business, they know what it takes and they want to share all the knowledge with us. So some episodes that you can expect, which I think are just so helpful, are how to start a software business without having to create your own software or how to make money doing Amazon product reviews. I mean, who even knew that could even be like a real thing or even how to go from being a six figure to seven figure entrepreneur with millionaire university. You'll get actionable advice for each step of your journey directly from entrepreneurs who did it themselves. So now is the time to take the step to get your business to the next level. You can listen to the Millionaire University podcast. New episodes drop every Monday and Thursday, and you can find the Millionaire University on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Start listening today. Welcome, Welcome to, to Barely, Barely Filtered, Filtered, hosted by, by us. us. I'm Aurora Culpo, star of the HBO Max show, The Culpo Sisters. Don't tell my sisters I said so. I'm a recently divorced mom of two living in Los Angeles with my ex-husband. I'm part granola mom, part glamorous jet setter. I'm Kristen Gaffney, also a mom, a startup nerd who modeled for Sports Illustrated Swimsuit and the founder and CEO of Super True. I always like to microdose my coffee before I hit up carpool. Welcome to Barely Filtered, our our safe space. (laughs) Here we discuss health and wellness, becoming a grown-ass woman, and what's going on in this crazy world. And while we don't agree on everything, we do agree on this. We We want want you you to live live your best in life. So you have been like very open about the fact that you went through a divorce and Mm -hmm. kind of taken us through your life. Like, where do you draw the line between kind of what you share and protecting your privacy? Yeah, I mean, that's always a struggle for me because I started off on sharing my life when I was in college, right? Uh I pretty much showed them which college I was going to. I brought them, I mean, they met my quote unquote boyfriend at the time who I I ended up getting engaged to, that I ended up getting married to, that I ended up having kids with. And they brought, I brought them along that entire journey. Like I had a crew following me during my delivery, you know, my own team. And we shared that on the internet. And so, you know, I was the first wave, like my peers, we were the first wave. And I think I was actually the first wave of influencers to actually have kids too. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know, you know, five, seven, eight years from from then, mm-hmm. what, I guess, repercussions that I would have to face mm-hmm. at what point, you mm-hmm. know, I was just putting my life out there because that's all I knew how to do. And I think it was when I was going through my divorce, I was like, shit. Like I shared a lot and now my followers feel 
entitled to why I'm getting divorced, why my kids are not showing up on my Instagram anymore. And not that they have the right to to see my kids or my divorce, but it's normal for them to be curious because it's like, you've taken imagine, them through your whole yeah, life. Imagine yeah. you watch like an entire movie and like all of a sudden you don't see the ending. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd she go, right? <laughs> so I realized that as I was going through my divorce and I'm, I've learned so much about what boundaries I should draw now, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't regret it because I think I was able to build a really beautiful community. And now that I'm so open about the hardships and the struggles that I went through in the past two years, I feel like because they saw me build this life and also have to start all over again, encourages a lot of people. So in in hindsight now, I'm grateful that I have that story that I could help so many people out. Mm -hmm. But now moving forward, you know, I don't show my kids as much. I don't completely not show them because, you know, I there are moments where I'm like, oh my God, my daughters are skiing. I want to show, you know, my followers that Mm -hmm. like little baby Colette who they saw when she was born is like full on skiing now. And that's exciting, right? So I show like glimpses, but I don't show the day to day. And then same thing with relationships. Not that I'm in like a serious relationship mm-hmm. or anything right now, but I would imagine moving forward, I want to protect that a little bit, you know? I don't want to have to feel like I have to share, you know, the like my love interests or my personal life with the rest of the world. Like there okay. are some things that you can protect and just keep for yourself, I think. It's really interesting because it is such a double-edged sword because I think that the fact that you've been so vulnerable and so open makes people feel like a different kind of connection to you. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like you have to protect your own peace as well, you know? And at the end of the day, like, you know, when you're sharing such intimate parts of yourself, it's like you open it up to a lot of unwanted feedback. Yeah, yeah, and I think I've I found like a good middle ground. Mm-hmm. And I think there are nosy people that are like, so why? Why did you get divorced? What happened? Did he cheat? Did you cheat? Did it, and, and for me, I ignore those yeah. questions because that's no one's business, totally. right? Nor does the public need to know that kind of information. But what I do think is important is to share just heartbreak it's a universal emotion that everyone goes through and I think maybe because I painted this picture perfect life through my Instagram they thought my life was perfect and I had no problems and I do enjoy being able to showcase that I did go through difficult times and this is what I did to like help me get through. For me, I've been doing this for so long and as much as I love fashion and beauty, I think my purpose has kind of changed now, especially on the online narrative, is really just to help the next generation to make smarter choices. So whether it's getting married or starting a business, you know, get a prenup, you know, get, you know, (laughs) know your rights, know what you're entitled to. This is information that we were never taught. You know, I was always taught that as a woman, you marry a rich guy. So you live a comfortable life and it's the rich guys that get the prenup, not the broke girl who's just a big dreamer that's about to start a business. Why would you need to get a prenup? You don't have any money. That was me, right? And through my divorce, that's when I learned, wow, this is the information that my girls, my daughters need to know and the next generation need to know because we were not educated in that. It was the first thing that my parents told me like, like really, really long ago that no matter what, I need to be getting a prenup. And it's interesting to me that people are quite precious about it. Like I've Mm -hmm. had conversations, some people being like, absolutely, yes, prenup and others being like, what? Like, why? And I'm like, it's not an emotional thing. It's like Mm -hmm. a practical thing. You're protecting yourself. Yeah, you're protecting yourself and what you've built. And I mean, props to your parents. They're a lot more forward than I think majority of parents out there that really did they didn't even have that information either so that's great that they already educated you and obviously 
it's interesting. My dad was like 100%. He's like, you must get a prenup. Mm. And my mom, like, it, it was like a very, like, it's like an interesting toss up because my mom never really thought about it that way. But mm. of course, like, she's like, yes, 100%. But my dad was always like, everyone gets a prenup. Yeah. Like, this is just like practical. It's like when you're getting into a marriage, yes, you love the other person, but it's like getting into a business partnership with someone. You can go into it with good intentions, but oh, what yeah. are you not, not going to have a contract in place? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, marriage, I still believe in marriage. I still think love and marriage is a beautiful thing. And hopefully one day I'll find that again. But now that I've come out of my divorce, I've realized that it's literally love with a contract. Yes. And, and there's that nothing wrong with that, by the way. business at the end of the day. And so if you're about to sign this contract, you better know what rights you have. And most people don't know. <laughs> and so that's kind of my purpose now. I just feel like just really educating the next generation of especially women and girls on being smarter about the decisions that they make. Again, whether it be marriage, whether it be starting a business whatever that is. I also will extend this to women of color as well, specifically, mm. because I like for me as like a brown woman, you know, I think that there is this overarching thing that you're supposed to be soft mm. and it's like maybe not the right thing for you to even think of a prenup. And I'm like, why? Like, if, oh, yeah. If I get into a business relationship, what am I not going to sign a contract? How is this any different? I mean, it's so funny that you say that because that's also with Asian culture as well. Like, you know, as a quote unquote obedient Asian woman, you are supposed to pre pretty much serve your man. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. My parents didn't teach me that in those like terms. But, you know, there are suggestive ways that they would say things like, oh, that might make him feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. or that you know, that might make him feel lesser of a man, like things like that. Yeah. And I think that's a cultural thing, Absolutely, right? Yeah. But I think even my parents, they had a kind of coming to Jesus moment when I was going through my divorce because not that it's their fault and I love them dearly and they're such wonderful parents, but they're just teaching me what they knew. So they were putting the pressure on me in my early 20s to get married, to find a boyfriend, to get married. And so my dad, especially, he was like giving himself a hard time. Like, oh, maybe if I didn't put that pressure on you, then you wouldn't have been divorced and you wouldn't, you know, be in this horrible situation. Of course, everything happens for a reason. And I'm thankful for what has happened because I've learned so much and I've gained so much wisdom from it. But I think even my parents, they're still learning, unlearning a lot of things that they've learned as well. Well, you know, I think we have to have we have to give our parents grace because mm -hmm. they teach us what they know. And I think you you realize this when you're older, because for a long time, like you think your parents know everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, like you want to listen to them and you're so influenced by their belief systems. But I think as you get older, you realize that your parents are humans yeah. and they did the best that they could. And they each have like their own triggers and their own trauma. And a lot of the times they pass that on to you thinking that they're doing the right thing, yeah. but may not be the right yeah, thing. And exactly. it's not something you should be upset about. It's just having grace for them. Yeah. No, I, I love that word grace and just being able to, to not hold anything against them and just understand that they're human as well. Yeah. 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 So you came out of your divorce, though, like a fucking phoenix. Okay, <laughs> You released Fleur, mm -hmm. which I remember when it, you know, it entered the chat. Mm -hmm. It was sold out. It was like it came out with a bang. So yeah. what inspired you to launch, you know, a, a business? Mm -hmm. Because that's like a big undertaking, especially yeah. as you're going through like a life transition as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I was contacted by my business partner, who you know, Ben Bennett, and he's the owner of The Center, which mm -hmm. is pretty much an incubator for beauty brands. And he was ready to acquire Fleur. So Fleur was an existing fragrance brand already, beautiful fragrance brand. They, they were able to really carve out a niche market, which we respect highly, but they were going out of business for a number of different reasons. And so Ben contacted me and he said he wanted to acquire Fleur, but he wanted to acquire it with me. And did you guys know each other? 
We knew of each other. We actually met through a really good friend who's now Fleur's publicist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I knew of Ben and I, I've known what he has done in the beauty industry. And he's kind of like a legend in that he's sense. Genius. Yeah, genius. And so first of all, I was really honored that he even thought of me to acquire Fleur with. But I was also, just to be completely transparent, a little confused because... I never identified myself as a fragrance girl. I always identified myself as a fashion girl or a beauty girl, but not necessarily fragrance. I wore fragrance every day. I love fragrance. I had a whole fragrance closet, but that never even crossed my mind that I would be owning a fragrance company one day. That was not part of my roadmap. But I heard him out and I was like, okay, you know, why me? And what what's your plan for Fleur? And... He told me that, well, Fleur, just like you, is going through its rebirth. And I couldn't think of a better person to be able to tell stories with through each fragrance than you. And and he said, and fragrance is fashion. He said, every why do you think every fashion house has a fragrance line or a fragrance, right? Why do you think fragrance is so tied to fashion because it's really the end note it's really the topping the the kind of the cherry on top the icing on the cake to complete an outfit to complete a look right how you want to feel the mood and so when he explained it to me I was like oh yeah I am a fragrance girl like I I always think about how I want to feel and then I then figure out what scent and also fragrance had such a big big healing it was a big healing journey for me because when I was going through my divorce I was in the worst mental state and I would just I just couldn't even picture myself being happy ever again like it was so hard to imagine so I had certain scents they weren't fleur but certain scents that would evoke happiness that would it would help me envision myself in a better state and I would just close my eyes spray it and then I would kind of have like this meditation moment of visualizing myself in a certain way or running on the beach and feeling free again or like certain sense where I wanted my anxiety to kind of lower and just be at peace and calm. And so I realized how big of a role fragrance actually played in my life, especially during that time. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, let's do it. What, What do I have to lose? And it's been the most incredible journey and the fact that, again, because I am a creative and I can story tell through each fragrance and through each scent, there is a meaning behind it. That just brings me so much joy. And, you know, when we launched Missing Person, which was the viral fragrance on TikTok, I was just sharing my story of heartbreak. And I didn't, you know, we we never planned for it to go viral. I don't think anyone could plan for virality. But it just allowed me to actually see how much it meant for people to hear other people's vulnerability and their story because all of a sudden missing person became a reason for people to share who they're missing or a moment in time that they they want to relive and so that's what happened on tiktok people would buy a missing person spray it start crying and then be like oh my god like this is bringing back to my mom when she was alive and we were like I don't know, like cuddling in the bed together or whatever that moment was for them. And that's what Missing Person brought. And I I don't know, it just brings tears to my eyes to to know that it was such a big healing scent for so many people around the world. So what do you think it was that made it go viral? Like and also, like, how did you plan out your launch? Mm -hmm. And how did you know that Missing Person was the first perfume that you wanted to bring to the market? Missing Person, we knew was going to be the first fragrance just because of, you know, how we timed out our production and the schedule. So we actually had almost one cent a month planned out for the first year. But it all changed when Missing Person went viral. So we completely changed our launch cadence once Missing Person went viral. We also had to speed up certain launches because Missing Person sold out. And people couldn't get their hands on it. And so we're like, okay, how do we get the neck sent out? Because missing person, we still have to develop the bottles. We have to, you know, we have to go through the entire production. So yeah, that actually yeah. took, we did it in three months, which is 
relatively fast Mm -hmm. for production. But for three months, we're like, we need to launch something. Mm -hmm. And so then right after that, we launched Lost Cause, Not Your Baby, Apricot Privé. And we launched those a little bit faster than what we were planning to just because of people couldn't get their hands on missing person. But it also... And again, we didn't plan for this. You can mm-hmm. never plan for virality. If people knew how to go viral, they would be doing it every single day. Yeah. No one really knows how to do it. It just mm-hmm. happens, right? The market, the marketplace kind of determines that. Like they put, I mean, it was TikTok and people were like, I love this. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about it. And so when that happened, we were all kind of in shock. We, we didn't really know how to react, but then just thousands and thousands of people were creating th- these videos and sharing their stories. And it wasn't even about the scent anymore. It was about their own story. So this is, I think, what I want to zoom in on is the fact that you said that it wasn't about the scent. It was about their story. And mm-hmm. I think that that is something that you've done exceptionally well with every fragrance that you've launched with Fleur. Mm-hmm. Even just the naming convention, it has like a story behind it. Yeah. And people are interested, Yeah, you know, and I know that as a founder, just because I own a wellness brand, I know that it's not the same as having a lipstick or a cute piece of clothing, which someone just sees and they want to buy. Storytelling is a huge component of brands in the perfume category, in the wellness category. So was it intentional on your part to name the perfumes in a way that you could tell a story behind it? Did you know that it was going to be an important component of your success? Yeah, I mean, naming was always like it had to be spot on one it had to stand out and get people curious but two it was an entryway of us being able to tell a certain story right and or a gateway sorry to tell a certain story and we knew that going selling fragrance online it's been done before but the way that we're doing it where at the time, we were not at any physical locations. We weren't in any Sephora's. We were not at Selfridges. And these are all brand new scents that mm-hmm. no one's ever smelled before. And so we knew that the only way that we could actually get people interested in the fragrance is by telling stories. Because the average person, they're not going to read the ingredients and be like, oh, this this note is a reason why. I mean, there might be some, but for most people, the mass majority of people, they need to smell it first. But we weren't in stores. How are they going to smell it? And so I knew that every single scent had to have a very strong story behind it. And through the story, they can identify themselves in it. And then, of course, if they're curious and they could go onto the back and read the notes and see if it's for them. So that is actually the way we sold fragrance that has really not been done before without smelling it at a counter first. But now obviously you can because we're in all the Sephora's and at, on, at Selfridges. But in the beginning, we we were, there was a question mark of like, is this going to work? We don't know. But I mean, it's, it's a fascinating case study because yeah. I remember it being the first, the yeah. first like, perfume brand that really told a compelling story Mm. and it wasn't the story wasn't even about necessarily like the scent it was like the the feelings that it was going to evoke and like how smart yeah and I think there are certain brands like Margiela that have kind of nailed that down which is like walk on the beach or I think it's into the woods into the woods or the fire I think there's a fireplace Fireplace, one so immediately you connect like a certain memory with a moment in time with the fragrance. But of course, you know, Margiela is massive, especially mm-hmm. in the fragrance. And so, you know, I knew that each scent had to have a compelling story. So like Lost Cause, Lost Cause was a second fragrance that we launched right after Missing Person. And it was all about me being a lost cause. It was all about me being a wanderlust, like figuring out my life again kind of being a nomad, like not really having a home anymore and figuring out where it is that I want to live. And and so it's like bright and crisp and it's airy, but it's also very calming. And it it, it makes you, it, I don't know, when you smell it, you feel like you want to travel. And so that's, every scent has a story behind it. And I think the names kind of evoke that as well. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean... I think it's a testament to you as like a storyteller because Mm -hmm. 
trust me, it is not easy. Like I understand because I'm in an adjacent category where storytelling is everything and people aren't just going to buy something because it looks pretty, especially if they're not able to try it first. So I feel like you've, I mean, I, I don't know which ad that I saw, mm-hmm. but I think I knew about the brand before I knew it was connected to you. Mm-hmm. That's I take that as a big compliment. It is. You. It really is. Once you get your brand to a place where they do not associate the face of or the founder I think that's when you know that you're onto something and it's grown bigger than you, yeah. which you want your exactly. brand to become, right? And so sometimes with Fleur, I mean, the amount of people that are like, that's your brand, I had no idea because it went so viral on the internet. A lot of people still have no idea that I'm the founder, which is cool to me, which I actually love. That's the, to me, yeah. Chriselle, it's the biggest compliment because I know that like if, if that happens, it's like it's not me that's floating the brand. The brand, brand is floating is, itself. Exactly. And like I've done enough of a good job as a founder that the brand has its own unique identity and it lives on without a person. Exactly. But so what I was saying with your brand, I think I saw a number of people posting about it and a few different ads. And something like I was actually going to order it at Mm -hmm. some point. Then I realized that I had it (laughs) in my mailbox already sitting there. Influencer problems, I know. (laughs) Um, But I was about to order it because it was just that good. Like what I forgot which ad I saw, but it was really, really good. So that's a, a storytelling compliment, right? It's like you have to know how to tell stories to be able to sell a product Mm -hmm. online. There's just so many products now out there and so many options for people. It's like you have to really reach deep within them. Yeah. 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 100%. And like make it a compelling reason for someone to actually want to purchase the product. Yeah, exactly. I want to talk about the fact that you are a mom of two babies and you are a founder. And I mean, how are you doing it all? Because I know that there are moms in my audience and just in my community who would love to hear from you. How do you balance everything? I have to be honest with this question because I think I have a lot more balance now that I a Mm co-parent. I feel like when I was married and I was pretty much running that ship with the kids, doing everything, I was feeling so much more burnt out. And it's hard, right? It's hard to run a business businesses and be present for your kids all the time and especially at a young age for the girls back then they're much younger so they as much as dad is a great dad like they still want mom at that age right but I think now that I'm co-parenting and I have the girls 50 50 with my ex it's almost like this sounds really and it took me a while to get here it it's been over two years now Mm -hmm. But it's almost like out of sight, out of mind now. Because before, when they're with me all the time, I knew that they were my responsibility. Now when they're with their dad, it's all on you, boo. That's like, that's all you. Like, I cannot, I mean, if you ask for help, I'll help. But I know that, you know, we try to do the things ourselves. And I I, I think that now when the girls are with their dad, I just have this ease of like, he's going to handle it. He has a lot of support. He's a great dad. I have nothing to worry about. And if he can't, for whatever reason, he needs me last minute, he will always call me and ask, right? And same thing with me. I feel like when the girls are with me, that is probably out there having a great time and not worried as much of like trying to be home at a certain time to Mm -hmm. be with. So it's just so much more balanced now because I go hard with parenting. Like when I'm with the girls, I do everything I and you know there are times when I can't pick them up but I try to do every pickup every drop off I try to do every bath I try to do all the park dates I and I have the the ability to because I run my own business and during those weeks I'm not as available for my team I'm not as available to travel I'm not available to really do all this other work stuff Mm -hmm. but on the flip side when they're not with me I also go super hard with work I and I am always on a plane traveling somewhere for some jobs or doing something and it all feels balanced. And so a lot of my my friends that are married with kids, they're like, how do I get onto your program? I'm like, co-parent? And they're like, how do we co-parent without getting a divorce? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you're saying this because I think that 
as time has gone on, women put a lot of pressure on themselves to kind of do everything with not a lot of help. Mm-hmm. And if we think about it anthropologically, we are tribal beings. And so the rearing of a child used to be the responsibility of like a number a of village, different people, yeah. a village, right? It takes a village, mm-hmm. you know, it really does. And the fact that women now have these robust careers where we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, we are taking on a lot, but we're also meant to be like the single like you know, or like the more involved parent, even it's a lot to ask for. It's so much work and it's not normal to be able to do that 24 seven, but most women are doing it all day long. And no wonder why a lot of women go through depression, they get sick, they get burnt out, they leave their workforce because they can't handle it anymore. And it's just unfair. I think times are changing and I think men are stepping up more than ever but there's still a lot of work you still don't hear as much like stay at home dads although I do know a few but yeah I I think the question now is like how do we take away these roles that we all thought we were supposed to do like as a mother you know as a woman as a wife And how do we make it an equal playing field for both the men and the women, for the mom and the dad? Again, because how we were raised from our parents, it's really hard to take away from what we're so used to that society has taught us and our parents have taught us. But I think now it's about like equality. And if we truly want to live in like an equal, I guess, place with both men and women, I think the men do have to step up and they do have to do the child caring and the women can work and that's okay as well. And yeah, I mean, that's a question that I still have as well. No, I mean, I I completely agree with you, Mm -hmm. you know, or I think it's just important to like ask for help or get Mm -hmm. help if you can afford it. Like I know that I speak to a lot of other female entrepreneurs who are moms as well. Mm -hmm. And something that comes up over and over again is that, no, I have help. Mm -hmm. I have my parents helping. I have outside help that I've hired. And I'm glad that we're having these conversations because you know what? This, this idea of the do-it-all superwoman, Mm-mm. like it's it's not realistic. It's not realistic and it's not healthy for anybody. And I think everyone tries to, I think they've praised that for a long time. But I think, I think we should praise more women to quit things. Like my co-founder, I have a, a company called Buma, which yeah, is a, a parenting company. So if you need help, there's on-demand childcare and you just have to kind of look on the website. We're launching an app soon. And if you're like, oh crap, like my nanny called out sick, I need help. Then you can see like what spots are available. So anyways, but my co-founder Joan, she was like, this year I'm going to be better at quitting things. She's like, for example, I am going to quit doing dishes. I do too much around the house. Like my husband can do the dishes. Like I quit doing dishes. I quit doing whatever it is because we just do way too much. Yeah, yeah. I I actually love that you say that because mm-hmm. it's so funny. This is like a few years ago. I noticed that my husband and I were like we're just getting into like all these like little little fights and it was because I felt like I was doing the lion's share of the household duties mm-hmm. and he he was taking on things but I just felt like it wasn't enough and I was like fuck it. I'm not going to do the dishes. And at that point, like we were at a place in our lives where we could hire like a cleaner to do. Mm -hmm. Everything changed. Mm -hmm. When I quit doing the dishes and like sweeping the floors, everything changed, you know? And then I was like, we had like obviously a very upfront conversation where I was like, this is the division of labor in our household. Yeah. But like, really, we think that we have to take on Mm -hmm. all of it. And it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I think people should be proud of quitting things because, you know, whether you can hire the help that you deserve or you ask your partner to help out with certain things. It's not okay for one person to do it all. It also builds a lot of resentment. It does. Yeah, it does. And I think just having those conversations openly with your partner is very, very important. Agreed. Yeah. So we have a question from our audience and I mean, I would love to know the answer to this myself because speaking to you, you are such a confident woman. Mm -hmm. And what this woman is asking is, how do you deal with mom guilt if you do at all? Mm. Yeah, I do. And, you know, I I was talking to other moms that have older kids 
and they're like it never goes away. I think it, especially when you're a new mom, I think that guilt really kind of overpowers everything, mm-hmm. and you just feel sometimes stuck. Like, oh my god, I can't do anything because I feel so guilty. Mm-hmm. But you do get used to it, and I also think talking to other women that are in the same boat as you. I think for a while in my community where I live, there's a lot of stay-at-home moms. So when I was talking with them, I just felt even more guilty because they were able to do all the play dates. They were able to do all the field trips. And they're wonderful and nice people, but it made me feel more guilty that I couldn't do these things because I had multiple businesses to run. Even though I do run my own business and I have a, a little bit of flexibility, I choose to continue to work and do these things and not you know, do a lot of the the school activities, right? And so I did feel very guilty about that. And then I started meeting more women like myself who run their own businesses that are high-level executives at companies that just can't really take time off. And they're amazing moms. And once I started hanging out with them more, talking to them more, I just felt seen. And I, not that the guilt goes away, but you naturally feel a little bit more normal in Mm -hmm. that sense. Mm -hmm. And so I think your tribe is very important. I have a tribe of amazing moms in my group. And a lot of them also have gone through divorces as well that are single moms because that's my current situation, right? And so I think it's, it's finding, even if it's just one other person that is in a similar situation, I think that helps a lot but the guilt never really goes away even for me even though it's my off week this week and I'm out here in LA like doing lots of work stuff going out to dinner with friends my oldest daughter Chloe FaceTime me yesterday in the middle of dinner and she's like mommy I lost my tooth and she like showed me her her missing and she was so proud mm-hmm. and like at that moment I was like oh I wish I was there to like like put the the tooth fairy money under the pillow and do that whole thing but and I felt guilty for a second but then I checked out of it and I was like okay dad will handle it it's fine so I don't I don't know if that's a good answer but it doesn't really go away but I think the best advice I can give to anyone is finding other people in similar situations as you I think it's a great answer yeah I think it's tangible and practical Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that a lot of women will appreciate hearing that yeah because it's relatable it is yeah Thank you so much for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can shop Fleur. Tell us everything. Yeah, so you can find me on all platforms, Instagram, TikTok, at Chriselle Lim. And you can find Fleur at Fleur.com, P-H-L-U-R, or on Instagram, Fleur as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.